as Trey gets the balloon introduction to start us off on a Tuesday edition of the award-winning Midday with Trey and BK right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. It is October 17th. We hope y'all are having a fantastic day, and we appreciate y'all spending some of your day with us right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Hit us up in the YouTube comment line. Hit us up on the CODA text line, 512-222-9328. Trey, how we doing today, brother? Doing okay. How are you? Pretty good, because I'm a Dallas sports fan, and yesterday was... About as good as it could possibly get if you're a Dallas sports fan like me. You sound better, too. So I think that these uh, moments of sports joy are helping to heal your body, too. I think that's part of it. And I think not doing any outside stuff yesterday is a big part of it. Mm. Like I'm not built for the outdoors, okay? What do the kids say? Built different? I'm not built different. I'm built the same, all right? And I am built to be inside. I'm not built to spend like 10 hours outdoors on back-to-back days in Austin where the allergies are what they are and at ACL where there's like 200,000 people also walking around with me. Uh, Can't handle that, but uh, got to stay inside, didn't leave the place yesterday, and I think that's a big part of why I don't sound like shit today. You're like a human blow-up doll. Just keep you in the closet until it's time for your usage and then... Stuff you back in the closet. Don't take you outside. The sunlight's just going to cause things to fade. Did you it's ever... A, a hole to crop up that uh, may ruin you for good. Did you ever see the movie The Benchwarmers? The, no, I didn't. Adam Sandler, David Spade. Yeah, it was uh, one of the stupidest movies of all time, but it came out when I was in middle school, so it oh. was perfect for me and my buddies, but there was a character in the movie who literally just stayed inside a closet because he was scared of the sun and he would eat sunscreen like that was his only meal. And he was literally terrified of going outside or doing anything outdoors. Uh, that is me right there. Like I am that guy that that part of the movie is actually based on a true story. And I'm the true story there. That sounds like a classic Happy Madison production. You know, we all have those movies that we loved as middle schoolers or maybe even high schoolers. But unfortunately, you try and watch as as an adult and it doesn't even come close to translating. Like for me, the best example that I can think of is Robin Hood Men in Tights, Hmm. which was the first that many people got to see Dave Chappelle in action. And actually, all these years later, he is one of the few aspects of this movie that stands the test of time the rest of that movie god i loved it as a kid and i watched it as an adult i actually showed it to a girl i was dating at the time and i do apologize and turn it off off halfway through i'm like i swear this is not this is not a representative of me the uh the 30 something year old guy this is something that i either had a false memory of or my sense of humor has changed quite a bit over the last 15 to 20 years Hmm. yeah i think i remember seeing that movie and thinking it was okay I didn't see it as a kid. I think I saw it for the first time a few years ago, and I'm like, ah, this is fine. I didn't ever think it was that good. I didn't ever think it was that bad. But like you said, everyone's got uh, that movie or two that they loved as a kid, and then it just kind of fades the older you get. Well, it was a Mel Brooks movie, and I believe he actually directed it too. And most other Mel Brooks movies, they hold up. Like you watch Blazing Saddles nowadays. I mean, that movie would be canceled uh, if the wrong person sets eyes on it, but you can't cancel it. It was made back in the late 60s, early 70s, whenever it was. But Mel has so many movies, even like Spaceballs. That's kind of a goofy movie, 
but it's still a funny, fun movie to watch. Like I plan on watch, uh, showing that to my kids at some point. I know they'll get a kick out of it, but there's parts that, that I can also appreciate as an adult too. For whatever reason, that movie, it was uh, just a moment in time, I guess, or uh, some of those performances do not stand up because it's fucking dumb, dude. Mm, Mel Brooks. Is he the guy who hates the Jews? Oh, that's Mel Gibson. <laughs> no, Mel Mel Brooks is a uh, he is a member of the tribe. Yeah, probably he's is a proud member of the tribe. Yeah, Hollywood. That makes sense. By the way, you're on the clock for him because he's uh, 97 years old. So if something happens to Mel Brooks over the next couple of weeks, you are in some serious trouble, my man. Shit, I sure hope not. I love Mel Brooks. Yeah, he's got some great movies there. Keep the text coming. Uh, apparently, Nick Swartzen. I didn't even remember it was Nick Swartzen who was the albino in Benchwarmers. So, yeah, that, that makes his role in that character even better. Yeah, I Am 12, one of the uh, pretty classic lines and scenes from that movie. Uh, yeah, that was uh, one of the re- more ridiculous movies out there and a uh, ridiculous way to start off the show today. We've got plenty of sports to get into, though. We'll start with the baseball. How about those Texas Rangers, man? Now 7-0. and in this postseason, they take both games in Houston and they go up 2-0 on the Houston Astros in this best of seven American League Championship Series. Of course, the series shifts north up I-45, game three, four, and five, if necessary, in Arlington starting tomorrow night. Uh, Trey, well, what an impressive showing by the Rangers. They got off to a great start. They were up 4 nothing. In the top of the first inning, I mean, the first two batters reached on the first two pitches of the game. They were able to knock Framber Valdez out of the game before the end of the third inning. It was 4 nothing. then it was 5-1, to one, and then the Rangers' bats kind of went quiet. The Astros mounted a little bit of a comeback. They made it 5-4, to four, but Jose LeClerc, the Rangers' closer, who has had a very up-and-down year, uh, stays hot in these playoffs. He shuts the door. The Rangers get the one-run win, and they are two wins away from an American League pennant. How about that? Crazy to think about with where this team was entering the playoffs, blowing what was a 10-plus game lead over the last couple months of the season to the Houston Astros, having to play in that wild card round. And it seemed like a brutal route for them to even make it to this point, considering that they were going to have to get through the two best teams in the AL record-wise. And not only have they done that, (laughs) here we are now, BK, seven games into the postseason for these Rangers and they still haven't lost a game just yet. It's incredible. And now we have a second straight example of the bullpen having to pitch in stressful situations and for the most part, getting the job done. Uh, I realize that Aroldis Chapman gives up the homer to, uh, to Alvarez yesterday, but who's not giving up home runs to Alvarez, assuming he's not dealing with the Hershey squirts in between innings. Hmm. Feeling a little bit better yesterday, and it showed. He had a couple of rockets off of that bat, including one off of Nathan Eovaldi. I actually don't really blame Chapman. It was a good pitch, but I hate him starting at bats with sliders. Even if he's hitting a spot like he did with that very first pitch, force people to see 100 miles per hour before you consider showing them a change of speed because that speed is something that they're much more likely to catch up with, especially a guy like Alvarez. Regardless, though, uh, the bullpen does what it takes to get the job done. I mean, even LeClerc comes in. He's a little bit shaky at first, has a hard time finding the strike zone. Eventually, he does and uh, is able to uh, to collect the four-out save at the end of the day. And 
The bats did enough. They weren't great after the second inning, but their work through the first two innings of the game uh, not only got to Framber, who is apparently living this postseason in a glass case of emotion, but gave them enough of a padding that allowed them to hang on in the end. Yeah, that's it. I mean, the Rangers got to Framber early. The Astros' bullpen was magnificent. I mean, six yeah. and a third, scoreless. I think they only gave up one hit in almost seven innings of work. I mean, the Rangers' bats went quiet, like you said. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for Framber, maybe we're talking about a 1-1 series and you know, this is down the road, but if this thing does get to a game six back in Houston, you wonder if the Astros even feel good enough to throw Fromber out there or if they consider making a move because that's four starts in a row for him dating back to the regular season. His two playoff starts have been bad, right? The only game the Astros lost against the Twins was that Fromber start. And obviously yesterday he didn't get out of the third inning. I don't think he's made it through five innings in any of his last four appearances I don't know what the confidence level for Astros fans is in Framber Valdez right now. Once again, if this series gets to a game six, when it would be his turn to go again. Uh, but yeah, the Astros bullpen, you hate to waste a performance like that. And then, yeah, the Rangers pitching. Like, the Rangers can't do what the Astros bullpen did yesterday. The no. Rangers need their starters to go deep into games, and they've done that. That's why they're 7-0 and in these playoffs. The Rangers starter has gone at least six innings in every postseason game. That's incredible. And Nathan Evaldi, that was actually his worst start of the playoffs because he was awesome against Tampa and Baltimore. But he goes six innings, gives up three runs, does enough to preserve the lead. Obviously, the fifth inning where the Astros loaded the bases with nobody out. Yainer Diaz comes up as a pinch hitter. Minute Maid's going nuts. Diaz has been a great hitter all season long. Uh, Valdi gets the strikeout there. Then Altuve, who's owned Valdi over his career. I mean, Altuve's been a little cold as of late, but he's obviously been a great playoff performer, and he's had great numbers against Valdi. Valdi uh, gets the strikeout there, and then he's able to get the ground out to end the threat. Like, what a moment. I mean, the Astros could have at least tied the game, could have maybe taken the lead, could have knocked Valdi out of the game, could have turned it into a bullpen versus bullpen game, which is obviously advantage Astros. But Valdi, man, walking the tightrope like Stevie Ray, uh, just incredible, incredible to get out of that. And he ends up going another inning as well. Yeah, the Rangers starting pitching. Of course, the bullpen deserves love too. But the fact that like they've only had to use their best three guys in these games with Spores, with Chapman, and with LeClerc, that is a, a huge part of why the Rangers haven't lost a game in these playoffs. Yeah, I actually wonder, do we know who's starting game three for Texas? Is it going to be Max Scherzer? It is, yep. Okay, so I wonder if we don't see the bullpen have to do a little bit more in that game, regardless, whether Max Scherzer pitches well for four or five innings or whether he gets shelled in the first couple of innings and it turns into uh, guys having to give a couple innings apiece. Remember that they do have, assuming that John Gray is your game four pitcher, they do have Dane Dunning and Andrew Haney in the bullpen right now. Those guys can give you more than an inning or two, if need be. And Dane Dunning was one of the best pitchers on this staff at the end of the regular season. Now, I realize that he hasn't gotten a ton of work over the last couple of weeks since the playoffs got going. And Haney actually gave them, I want to say it was a good three-plus innings and in a start that he may have had against Baltimore. So those guys are, are capable of coming in in positions where we're not accustomed to them coming in during the regular season because it is the playoffs now and things do shift around with the pitching staff. Yeah, it is Max Scherzer in game three. And I think the Astros actually have the starting pitching edge tomorrow because Christian Javier is great in these playoffs. And I just don't know what to expect from Mad Max coming off yeah. of more than a month off with that injury. So 
Uh, yeah, I don't know if there's going to be a pitch, uh, pitch count for him. Uh, I don't know how long of a leash he's going to get from Bruce Bochy if things go awry early on. But, uh, look, obviously Rangers fans are happy to have Mad Max back and John Gray being back, too, is huge. So, yeah, no official announcement for the Game 4 starter on uh, Thursday. But Game 3, we know for sure it will be Max Scherzer for the Rangers going up against Christian Javier for the Astros. And I don't think this series is over by any stretch, man. Like. Bucky was talking about bringing out the brooms this morning. Wags was talking about bringing out the brooms during chaos theory from 10 to 11. And I'm just sitting here like, dude, the Astros are going on the road. Like they love being outside of Houston. Doesn't make sense because throughout this dynastic run, they've been lights out at minute made. And this year has been the exact opposite, but they were the best road team in all of baseball this season. They were six and one at globe life field this season. So this isn't just a case of, oh, the Rangers are up 2-0 going home. You can guarantee that this series is not going back to H-Town. Nah, I mean, the Astros, uh, they're going to be comfortable playing away from home. And believe it or not, I mean, the Rangers have only played one home playoff game in this run. Now, they won it. They beat the brakes off of Baltimore to complete the sweep in the DS. But, like, the Rangers are used to playing on the road, uh, not playing at home. And the Astros are used to winning on the road, not so much at home. So, I wouldn't uh, just turn the lights out on this Astros ball club just yet, man. It takes a lot to knock out the champion. That's what the Astros are. You know they're not going to go quietly into the night. And the Astros have been really good at Globe Life Field this year, too. I'm not taking this for granted, BK, and I'm still expecting the Rangers to lose this series because I've kept an eye on this team all year long. I've seen the good, and I've seen them just suddenly pivot and have a really bad stretch. So this is a team that's, look, they they could very well sweep if they keep playing like they have and they keep getting the pitching that they have, especially out of the bullpen. But they could also very easily lose the next four games too. You just don't know what to expect with this team because they've been so Jekyll and Hyde, especially over the last couple months or so. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've got it figured out right now though, man. I mean, it's pitching and defense gets it done. Great defense. I know Josh Young had an error yesterday that uh, loaded the bases in that fifth inning, but he made a couple of sterling defensive plays there. Obviously, the Evan Carter catch turned a double play in the eighth inning of game one was massive. Uh, I had questions about the pitching for the Rangers. It's been great. We know what this offense is capable of. The defense, the Rangers are one of the better defensive teams in the league this year. They're firing on all cylinders right now, man. I mean, it's It's uh, cliche, but you want to be playing your best baseball in the month of October, and the Rangers are clearly playing their best baseball. And just, yeah, the ability to flip the switch from the way the season ended, like you talked about, to uh, what they've done in these playoffs. That's Bruce Bochy, isn't it? I mean, three World Series titles. This guy's won a lot of games, but he I don't know what the hell it is. If you're a Rangers fan, you unfortunately were on the other side of it back in 2010 for Bochy's first World Series with the Giants. His teams just in this month, they they figure out ways to get it done, and that's what these Rangers have done. Even the move to keep Evan Carter out of the game as long as Fromber was in there. You mentioned this yesterday, BK. As soon as Fromber leaves the game, Evan Carter is going to be inserted, and that's what happened. But Robbie Grossman was a part of that first inning. He I forget it was a if it was a hit or an error that got him on base, but uh he was uh, a part of that uh that line that kept moving forward that uh, saw this team score first runs, uh, four runs rather, in the first. And uh, he's also a solid presence defensively in left field too. Evan Carter gave him a ton of credit for helping him to go over just how to play that weird left field at Minute Maid Park. 
And so he gets rewarded with a start in game two. And I'm guessing if we see Fromber once again, he'll probably get a start in game six too. Yeah. And um, the decision to leave Nathan Avoldi in, the guys on the post game were talking about this, right? Fifth inning, they load the bases. You usually have shorter leashes in the playoffs. And, you know, it was about to be the third time through the order for Nathan Avoldi. A lot of managers would have said, oh, that's it. We're, we're taking you out. We're bringing in a reliever to get out of this jam. Bruce Bochy trusts his guy, and it was the right move. And Nathan Avaldi rewarded him by getting three straight Astros to retire and leave that inning without giving up a run. And look, they talked about it on the broadcast as it was happening too, but Bruce Bochy understands that Nathan Avaldi, he sharpens up when there are runners on base. I mean, they showed the stat. He was the best pitcher uh, best starting pitcher in the majors with runners in scoring position. Yeah. And that surfaced once again. He just there, There's some sort of focus that comes into play when his back is, is against the wall like that. And it's why he is uh, looked at. I realize he had that moment with the Red Sox against the Dodgers. But you also have to remember that was him throwing numerous innings in what uh, led to a walk-off home run for the Dodgers several years ago. This guy throughout his career has shown the ability to get it done in the highest pressure pressure situations. Yeah. And you still do still have to give credit to Bruce Bochy for not having the quick hook there and letting him try to work through that. I'm guessing if he had given up even a run uh, with the bases loaded, we probably would have seen Bochy go to the bullpen. But thankfully, he didn't have to do that. Ivaldi uh, paid off the decision by shutting the Astros down the rest of the inning and then making it through another inning too. No doubt about it. The Astros... Backs against the wall now. They need Jose Altuve to get going. They need Kyle Tucker to get going. Ooh. Kyle Tucker hitting 091 in these playoffs. And he um, took off the batting gloves for, I think, his third at-bat of the game yesterday. Tucker's been doing that his whole career. Like, he started no batting gloves. And then if he ever starts to struggle and goes through a little bit of a slump, he'll put the <laughs> batting gloves back on. If that works, he'll stick with it. If it doesn't work, he'll go back to no batting gloves. And this year, he was off to a sluggish start with no batting gloves. He went to the gloves. It was working. He was awesome in the second half of the season. So he stuck with them. And then, well, he was scuffling in these playoffs, so he tried the no batting gloves. He struck out on an awful pitch. He looked terrible in that at-bat, so he put the batting gloves back on. It doesn't matter. Gloves, no gloves, OJ, no OJ. Uh, It ain't working. It ain't working for Tucker. If he and Altuve don't get things going, then uh, the Astros will be done. Yeah, and apparently that's a team-wide quality, too, because Fromber changes shoes between the first and second innings. And uh, according to my sources, BK, Jose Altuve has been dealing with some impotence issues recently, so he switched from tidy whities to boxer briefs. Some what issues now? Some impotence issues. That mean he's, like, shit in his pants or something? <laughs> Means he's uh, having trouble getting his uh, soldier at attention. Mm. interesting so we're gonna see him in a bathtub next to his wife in a separate bathtub at some point soon i don't know if he has uh tried the ped routes with the impotence but uh, i do know that much like his teammates and choosing to change articles of clothing to get through a slump he has gone from the tidy whities to the boxer briefs mm. a little joe boo action that's right. Yeah. You said uh, you have a source telling you this, correct? Yes. Okay, so this is not Trey Elling reporting. This is uh, a source saying. Yes, the source is Altuve's wife. Ah, oh, you're talking to Jose Altuve's wife, huh? Yep. 
Interesting. I know how tall she is. I don't think I've ever seen her. I mean, she has to be taller than him, right? I don't know. I mean, he's what, 5'5", five, 5'6"? Five, five, there are plenty of women oh. who are less than that. He's like 5'1 or 5'2". <laughs> <laughs> so fast, Bridget! Not so fast! Like Kyler Murray height? Is that what you're saying? Uh, oh, boy. He and Kyler, uh, that, that would be a good competition to see who's shorter. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's Altuve. He's got to get going. <laughs> whichever, <laughs> whichever one wins that competition is officially known as the uh, the world's tallest little person. <laughs> oh, man. There you go. I like it. I like it. Rangers get the 5-4 win. They're up 2 nothing against the Astros. And I keep getting flashbacks to the 2019 World Series where the Nationals went into Houston, won the first two games there. Series shifted to D.C. The Astros won all three games in Washington, and it's like, oh, they're about to win the World Series, and then they go back to Houston, and they lose. And the road team won every game. You know, Rangers fans hoping to not lose the next three, to have to go back to Houston and worry about that. But, uh, man, I'm just, I'm just saying, you don't count the Astros out ever in this month. And even though the Rangers have uh, done just about everything right, I still feel like uh, there's a ways to go here in this best of seven. I think if Texas wins one of three at home, then they will close the series out in Houston. Okay. So if they're up 3-2 going to Houston, you think they'll be able to shut the door. But if it's 3-2 Astros, you think the Astros will find a way to win it? Yeah, yep. how about that? I mean, you, you, you don't want this series to go back to Minute Maid if you're the Rangers. But, uh, I mean, considering how bad the Astros have been at home this year, it's almost like, well, if you're up 3-2 with two chances to win one down there, you don't feel like it is uh, the end of the world, but that ain't the way the Rangers are thinking, I can tell you that. So, uh, game three tomorrow, once again, in Arlington. We will spend some time previewing that uh, during tomorrow's show. Before we get to the football game involving a Dallas area team last night, let's give some love to some of our great sponsors. Uh, I just read a text from our guy Tom McKay on the Coda text line from this morning I, the text line wasn't refreshing on my computer today so i'm like is no one listening are we getting no text but really <laughs> it was my fault tom texted this morning i was so high saturday that i spent all day sunday coming back down to earth <laughs> and here's a word from tom mckay hi this is tom mckay with audiovisual consultations scientific data proves it size does matter the bigger and wider your television is, the better. Football season is here, and the time is now to get your entire audio video experience tuned up and ready. New flat screens, projection video, Dolby True HD surround, all the goodies at great prices and followed up with great service. So call us at 255-8678. That's 255-8678. or on the web at avconsultations.com. Yes, indeed. Shout out to AV Consultations and also shout out to our friends at Great Blue Heron Furniture. If you need to uh, spruce up your house a little bit, you're looking for a new couch, a new recliner, a new chair, a new ottoman, just something, go to greatblueheronfurniture.com. It's the best furniture that you can find, the best looking, the most comfortable, and the most well-built furniture anywhere on the market. Don't go to Ikea. Don't go to Target, God forbid, to get your furniture. If you're looking for something nice that's going to last you and your family decades, go to greatblueheronfurniture.com. Or better yet, if you're watching on YouTube, just click the link in the video description below us. It's going to take you right to the Texas Sports Unfiltered Collection. And hey, if you use the promo code HOOKEM at checkout, you're going to get 15% off. That's right. HOOKEM is the promo code 15% off your purchase 
at greatblueheronfurniture.com. It's a Longhorn-owned company. Most of the manufacturing is done right here in the great state of Texas, so you are supporting local when you go through Great Blue Heron Furniture. But uh, more importantly, the furniture, once again, it's exquisite. As Spiro Ditas would say, it's exquisite furniture at a great price, and it is built to last. Check them out at greatblueheronfurniture.com. Trey, the Cowboys. Boy, it was ugly at times last night in Los Angeles, but there are no style points in the NFL. They got to win. 20-17, to 17, the final score. The Cowboys get back on track after the embarrassing loss last Sunday night to San Francisco. Dallas with the win improves to 4-2. and two. They get to go into the bye week with uh, some confidence and some happiness, which felt much needed. A lot of the players were saying, kind of felt like a must-win game for the Cowboys. I think that's so overused, but... Man, it it really felt like an important one for Dallas to shut some people up and to just get the wheels back on the track on their season, and they found a way to get the dub. Always helps when Mike McCarthy gets to go against a coach who's maybe worse at game day management than he is. Let me go ahead and remove the word maybe. Hmm. Who is worse at game day management than he is? Brandon Staley, I don't know how he still has a job. My guess is that he gets fired at some point. Later in this season or after the year is over with, but credit to the Cowboys for having an all-around uh, bounce-back performance. It wasn't the greatest uh, show offensively for them, but Dak Prescott needed a good game, and they got the best game of the season out of him, including that highlight reel play where he's having to escape pressure, keeps his eyes upfield, makes a really nice throw across his body to Tony Pollard, who he himself has a highlight reel tackle break and rumbling upfield and uh, setting the Cowboys up for a touchdown. And I guess give them credit also for getting C.D. Lamb a little bit more involved in this game. C.D. clearly at a loss after that 49ers game. Didn't have a whole lot to say as to uh, to what was going on with the team in that moment. You could see his frustration there, and uh, the Cowboys decided to uh, do the smart thing and feed him the football. Yeah. He can be one of the best wide receivers in this league, but you have to give him those chances I am also starting to wonder now, though, BK, because Michael Gallup had a ton of opportunities, too, to make some plays, and uh, it's just not there for him right now. That rapport that he and Dak Prescott had a couple years ago before he suffered what I think was a season-ending knee injury, it's just not there right now. So somebody else needs to be given those opportunities, whether it's Brandon Cooks or someone someone else. And then the defense for the Cowboys, uh, they didn't get a ton of pressure on Justin Herbert for what we've expected out of this group. But they did a really good job of bottling up Austin Eckler in his first game back and really uh, limiting the damage that uh, Herbert was able to inflict on them. Part of that was on Herbert, too, though. Herbert was not very good last night. And, uh, again, it's only a matter of time before Brandon Staley is out of there. I know Chargers fans are clamoring for it. The league should be clamoring for that, too, because you don't want bad coaches in charge of one of the best young arms of the NFL, which, even with last night's performance, Justin Herbert is. You gave me a lot to dissect there. Start with the Cowboys offense. Uh, you're right. Michael Gallup, the rapport between he and Dak is gone. And I was hoping this would be a good bounce back year for Michael Gallup, right? Yeah. Because like last year was his first year back from the serious injury. And they always say it takes a guy a year to really get comfortable playing again. And I'm like, okay, last year's the down year. And then this year we get to see Michael Gallup look more like Michael Gallup. Well, it just hadn't happened. And it was good to see Brandon Cooks catch that touchdown. I do think he needs to be more involved, not just on deep passes, but short and intermediate routes, too. Yeah. Cooks has been a 1,000-yard receiver six times in uh, in his NFL career. So 
He's clearly capable of doing that. You talked about it being a bounce-back day for Dak. Yeah, he outplayed Justin Herbert. Like, that was cool. Didn't turn the ball over. About that rushing touchdown from Dak. We've been clamoring for that. The zone read, it had me fooled. I thought he had handed it to Pollard, who got mauled. I'm like, ah, shit. And then there he goes. Dak just running into the end zone from about 20 yards out. That was really, really good to see. So, uh, yeah, it wasn't always perfect. Uh, The clock management late in the first half was a question mark. Yeah, they they got stuffed in the red zone again. It's almost like they're the Longhorns with the red zone (laughs) issues that they've had this year. But, uh, yeah, from the offensive standpoint, uh, the Cowboys did enough. They can't run the ball, though, Trey. I'll let you weigh in on this. Like, Tony Pollard, forget 100 yards. He hasn't cracked 50 yards in the last three games. He had 30 yards on 15 carries last night. Like, you know, Dak played well last night, but any Cowboys fan would tell you, even the biggest Dak homer in the world would tell you, he can't do it on his own. They got to figure out how to run the ball, don't they? Yeah, and, you know, you think back to these last couple of years where Tony Pollard has looked so good as a change of pace for Zeke, and I realized that there were some games where he was the guy because Zeke was out with an injury, but uh, sometimes being that change of pace is the right role for a guy, or maybe they need to find the proper change of pace for Tony Pollard. I don't know if that means that uh, you start to give Deuce Vaughn some looks, probably not just yet. It seems like he's maybe a, a year away in the team's hopes if he is going to actually be getting carries at running back but uh yeah tony pollard uh even though he was very effective last night most of those yards were through the air and the cowboys do have to figure out some semblance of a rushing attack if they're going to win games in in january yeah i mean the o-line just didn't get in the push that it's been getting in the past and uh you know tony pollard's coming off that injury and this is obviously his first year since that leg injury so i wonder if that's a part of why he doesn't have the same burst that he's had the last couple of years Maybe it's just he's not the uh, the workhorse, the bell cow that I honestly thought he was. Like I'm like, yeah, get Zeke out of here, get Tony Pollard more carries. I think he's ready for it. Well, uh, hasn't looked ready for it this year, so maybe uh, they do need a better number two than Rico Dowdle or Deuce Vaughn. I do wonder, yeah, because Rico Dowdle doesn't seem like he's going to be the guy necessarily. I just wonder if maybe Tony Pollard is getting himself back up to speed. No pun intended there from the injury suffered at the end of last season. And he's just not quite all the way back just yet. But part of it's a blocking issue, too. This Cowboys offensive line, uh, there obviously hasn't been continuity from game to game with guys being down with injuries. I think they were back at full strength last night. But uh, the offensive line needs to do a better job of creating running lanes and then, of course, continuing to protect Dak, too. What do you think of the... uh crazy Chargers super fan lady that they kept showing on the broadcast last night. You know what I'm talking about? No. This woman? Oh, yeah. What the hell? (laughs) Uh, Because of copyright issues, that's about all I think I can play without getting in trouble. And hell, I still might get in trouble for that. So we'll see. I assume she was somebody's wife. Uh, I don't think there's a ring on the finger. Which, oh, maybe there is. I don't know. They kept showing her like maybe she was with the husband or with the somebody, but they just like zoomed in on her at various points throughout the game. And sometimes she was pumped. Like whenever the Chargers did something good, she was losing her mind in a positive way. And whenever the Chargers did something bad and the Cowboys did something good, it looked like she was about ready to just give up on everything. Uh, By the way, Daryl says Tony Pollard isn't a workhorse running back. It just depends on how you're defining workhorse. If you're talking about giving the guy 25 to 30 carries in a game, 
then no, he's not a workhorse running back. But if you're fi- figuring out ways to get him 20 to 25 touches, including throwing them the ball at times, he can be a workhorse. And I think a guy that's getting 20 to 25 touches does qualify in that workhorse role. It just depends on how you're getting in the football. Yeah, they got to be more productive touches. I mean, you said at the 60-yard pitch and catch was awesome. And Tony Pollard made a guy miss. And I was kind of pissed he got tackled from behind. I thought he should have scored yeah. on that play. But uh, mainly because the Cowboys' red zone offense has sucked. And I'm like, oh, God, this is uh, <laughs> Jordan Whittington against Oklahoma getting stopped at the one type of situation here. But uh, now they ended up scoring a touchdown. But, yeah, 15 carries for 30 yards on the ground. That's Some of that's on Pollard. Some of that's on the O-line. McCarthy basically said he got rid of Kellen Moore because – the Cowboys couldn't run the ball or didn't run the ball enough. And, well, they're not running the ball this year. They were way better with Kellen Moore on the ground than they were a season ago. Maybe uh, for your sake, uh, Mike McCarthy will get rid of himself then. I would love that. Are you buying the conspiracy theories around this woman, by the way? Have you heard these? No. What, what are the conspiracy theories? That she's a plant. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Not like a tree or like a <laughs> bush or anything like Marijuana that. Marijuana plant? I don't think she's that either, but she might have been on something last night. But yeah. no, a plant either by the NFL or by ESPN to make it seem like the Chargers actually have diehard fans. I was so as soon as you said that, I started to think, what could the conspiracy be here? Oh, it's that there's a single person in Los Angeles who is passionate about the Chargers. From that standpoint, it does kind of make sense. Like she's behind a curtain too. What is going on there? What is what is behind her? She's got a backdrop behind her. I think she was in one of those sideline suite kind of deals, very okay. close to the field. Now, I saw a report from Tom Pelissero earlier today. It's like, nope, not a plant season ticket holder, but I'm not sure I'm buying, and I'm not sure the Internet's buying either. Oh, Tom Pelissero will regurgitate whatever the league asks him to say. Yeah. I don't believe anything coming out of that guy. Oh, I believe some of what comes out of his mouth. I don't believe him on this one, though. Yeah, that was a Cowboys home game, too. Maybe uh, the NFL was worried about just 90% of the stadium being Cowboys fans. So it's like, oh, we've got to put this one Chargers fan in this spot where we know she's going to be so we could put her on TV 100,000 times. Shit, all you had to do was listen to how people were cheering when good things were happening for the Cowboys or Chargers. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah, use yeah. your ears to to hear that that was a majority Cowboys, uh, Cowboys crowd there. Definitely was. So nice win for the Cowboys going into the bye. Dallas four and two because the Eagles lost inexplicably to the Jets. They are uh, just one game out of first place in the NFC East. Of course, those two teams will play a couple of times this season. So boy, it went from uh, oh, the Cowboys are done, they sucked. Uh, well, now they're just a game out of first place. And they got a week off to try to figure some things out. So, uh, yeah, an ugly game, a sloppy game, 20 combined penalties. Uh, I still think Mike McCarthy sucks as a coach. Uh, but like you said, Trey, Brandon Staley is just worse than Mike McCarthy. He's skinny Mike McCarthy, but he's worse than Mike McCarthy. 
Cowboys get away in the Chargers now two and three, and they go to Kansas City next week. Yikes. Kansas City, who continues to win games, but is this the most boring Kansas City team that we've watched since Pat Mahomes took over a quarterback? Mm, maybe. Like, they weren't blowing everybody out last year around this time. And people That's were true. like, oh, are they even that good this season? Like, they're winning these games, but they're eh. And then, obviously, they ended up winning the whole damn thing. So, uh, yeah, the offense hasn't been as explosive. They're not putting up the numbers that they've put up in most of Mahomes' career. Uh, but, I, I, you know, I still think the Chiefs are really freaking good. Well, they are, but it's just like I know that we learned that they didn't need Tyreek Hill to win another Super Bowl, clearly, but it's like Travis Kelsey and a bunch of scrubs that Pat Mahomes is throwing the football to. Yeah, I mean, they only scored 19 on a Broncos defense that gave up 70 to Miami a couple of weeks prior. Um, so it just, yeah, that was a little bit weird. They were settling for a lot of field goals. And, yeah, it's it's Sky Moore. It's Rasheed Rice, the rookie at SMU, is coming into his own a little bit. Um, Kadarius Toney, who's had drop issues this year. Yeah, he had a touchdown against the Broncos on Thursday, but I think it was his only catch of the game. He had one catch for three yards and a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, you might be right. You might be right. So, uh, yeah, they don't have any great receivers right now. Like, Juju was awesome for them last year. He's obviously not there. And uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, that I already say him. That guy's Is he got, still in KC? Yeah, he's got too many names. But, yeah, he's still there. So. Wow. Yeah, receivers matter. The Chiefs find a way. Mahomes is that good, and obviously Kelsey helps out a lot. Or sorry, Maado helps out a lot. But uh, yeah, that offense doesn't have the firepower that it's had in the past. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, what about the Texans? We didn't talk about this yesterday because we got into a bunch of other random conversations from the sports weekend. But the Texans are three and three. They beat no. the Saints twenty to thirteen. You know the Saints aren't having a great season. They're five hundred right now, but. Uh, the Saints were projected to win the NFC South this year, and on paper, I think they're the better team. But D'Amico Ryan's man, great start to year one for him. C.J. Stroud did throw his first interception. Funny enough, on that interception, the guy who caught the INT actually fumbled it, and the Texans got the ball right back, which is just kind of how the year has gone for C.J. Stroud at this point. But he plays well enough again. Uh, the Texans defense, Will Anderson, the other first-round pick, was all over the place on Sunday afternoon down in Houston. The Texans, dude, they are not your older brother's Texans. This team's got a little bit of juice to them, and uh, maybe they can make some noise. Maybe they actually can be in that AFC South hunt this season. Yeah, I wondered how long it would t take C.J. Stroud to realize that Dalton Schultz is a weapon at tight end for them, but he's really started to understand that over these last couple of weeks. Speaking of guys who are no longer a part of the Cowboys roster, where you wonder if that loss was maybe taken for granted when they allowed him to walk. But uh, credit to C.J. Stroud for continuing to play uh, like a quarterback who is not a rookie. Uh, if only they could get Damian Pierce going. It seems yeah. like he's still got the juice from last year, but for whatever reason, it's not happening for him right now. As a matter of fact, we may be seeing, if even temporarily, a changing of the guard with Devin Singletary out-touching him on Sunday. So we have a full-on running back split happening in H-Town right now. But you're right, too. The Saints really are not very good. You and I questioned why Vegas had them as the favorite in this game heading into last weekend based on beating the crap out of a really bad Patriots team that can't even beat the Vegas Raiders. 
what is likely Bill Belichick's last year in New England. And sure enough, the uh, the Texans prove that the Saints really aren't that good this season while they are continuing to play over their heads. The fact that they're 3-3 three and three right now and keeping pace in that AFC South, that says something. I think they will ultimately fall off. That uh, inevitably happens to young teams that are helmed by rookie quarterbacks. But give them credit for playing over their heads through the first six weeks of the season. Yeah, I'll give you more credit than me. You picked the Saints, or you picked the Texans in this game, excuse me. I picked the Saints to win this yeah. one. So, uh, yeah, Dennis that, Allen. That only your H-Town PTSD, though, that was kicking in there. I, yeah. I really benefited from that. I knew that, I knew because I'd watched the Saints a little bit this year that they're not that good. Derek Carr is, you know, he had that one good year with the Raiders a few years ago, but uh, man, he has reverted back to form and then some over these last couple of seasons. But I'm a bigger believer in the Texans right now than they am the Saints. Yeah, the Texans have a better coach. I know yeah. Tomiko Ryans is only six games in, but Dennis Allen is not a good coach at all. Oh. And he proved that his first time as a head coach back with the Raiders, and I think he's proven that in New Orleans that he's not cut out for the job. Uh, but yeah, D'Amico's got this thing rolling. He talked about Devin Singletary. He was better than Damian Pierce on Sunday. No Tank Dell when the Texans offense was still able to do enough. Yep. And uh, yeah, impressive. And how about these next four games for the Texans? They're at Carolina Okay. next week. They've got a bye this coming week. So the 29th, they play at the Panthers. Like Panthers are 0-6. That could be a win. They host Tampa Bay. They go to Cincinnati, probably losing that one. And they host Arizona. Like oh, that, that could be a three and one stretch for the Texans. Like two and two, you would think is very, very doable. But if they go three and one, then we're talking about a six and four football team past the midway point of the year. They're going to be in those in the hunt graphics on those TV broadcasts as uh, the weather starts to really cool down, which that's about all any Texans fan could have asked for, I think, this year. Yeah, no kidding. That Tampa game will be an interesting one because I'm still not totally sure what to think of Tampa. I realize that they lost this last weekend to the Lions, who are proving themselves to be one of the best teams in the league. But uh, Tampa does still have a winning record. And so that'll be uh, a good litmus for that fan base to see if they can take care of a Texans team that has been better than advertised so far this season. Yeah, we'll see. We will see there. So nice win for the Texans. They are 3-3. Three and three. And yeah, both Texas teams uh, have bye weeks. Both Texas NFL teams, I should say, have bye weeks this upcoming sunday our guy Jameis asks on the youtube comments line what do you think Jameis was saying to camara on the sideline i don't know dude he was just yammering like Jameis winston probably likes to and camara is just looking at him like dude will you shut the fuck up already <laughs> yeah the the hand gestures right the pantomiming for Jameis as he's just berating alvin camara <laughs> on the sideline camara's like dude I, I need a break i'm actually playing in this game can you please leave me alone <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what he was thinking. I don't know what Kamara said, but he's just like, dude, like, stop, please. I don't need to hear from you right now. Yeah, Jameis Winston is one of those uh, verbal vomiters where he, you can tell he just starts talking and, like, everybody who's in earshot is praying for him to shut the fuck up five minutes later. Yeah, go steal some more crab legs, dude. Give it a rest. I yeah, it. I almost went with the conversational rapist label. Then I realized that uh, mm. Jameis Winston has a little bit of a history. Yeah, good, good call not bringing that up, but then also bringing it up. <laughs> Maybe bad call there. Hey, shout outs to some sponsors. Covert Bee Cave. Love those folks. Three state-of-the-art dealerships out there in Bee Cave. They've got seven brands. So if you need a new car, truck, or SUV, go see them. 
They've got great deals on Ram trucks right now. Uh, you're not going to find a better price anywhere in the world. They've got a ridiculous selection, too. So if you're looking for a truck for yourself, maybe for your business, uh, look no further than Covert B Cave. The Covert Auto Group has been around since 1909. You don't last for 100 and almost 20 years unless you know what you're doing and unless you take care of people. That's what the Covert family is all about. The best customer service that you can possibly find. Go say what's up to Dan Covert. Say hi to Stacy. Say hi to Mike, Jerome, the whole team out there at Covert BK. Fantastic people. They uh, always make us feel like family. They'll make you feel like family, too, every time you go see our friends at Covert BK. Shout out to them. Shout out to Oldstad Beer as well, the best beer that you could find all throughout the state of Texas, whether you're in Austin or Dallas or Houston or wherever, you can enjoy the greatness of Altstadt beer. And, hey, it's a road game this weekend. So if you're staying in central Texas and you want something to do, a trip down to the Altstadt Brewery, never a bad idea. They've got Oktoberfest celebrations going on all month long, live music, German-style restaurant, and, of course, you get to try plenty, plenty of samples of the greatness of Altstadt beer. No impurities, no regrets. And Trey, relax the back. That chair you're sitting in, not too shabby, huh? No, it is not. And it is courtesy of relax the back. My brother wanted the mullet open a couple years ago, and he didn't have a need for a chair in his home, but I did. So I paid him a couple hundred bucks for it. Best $200 I've spent on a piece of furniture in my life. And it wasn't surprising that it was going to turn out to be a good deal for me because I've been a relax the back customer for somewhere around 15 years, the very first time I walked into a Relax the Back, I think it was Barton Creek Mall, uh, back in the mid-2000s, I went in to grab the S-Curve massage tool, and it's something I still use to this day. I've acquired so many massage tools from Relax the Back. Now, furniture, eventually I'm going to get that stand-up desk as well. I implore you, if you deal with back issues like I do... Check out Relax the Back. Go to relaxtheback.com to see everything that they provide to help with that ailing back. You can also find out the location nearest you here in Central Texas. It is Relax the Back and relaxtheback.com. Oh, no, Trey. Uh-oh. Text we just got on the Coda text line, 512-222-9328. Do you all know who's broadcasting the game this weekend? The Brando Machine. I have not... I didn't get him on the show. I'll tell him to fuck off. I have not fact-checked that yet, but because it's the Saturday afternoon game on Fox, there's reason to believe that uh, our texter, Modern Terra LLC, is on to something. And there will be the Tim Brando-Spencer Tillman undynamic duo on the call of the Longhorns and the Houston Cougars this Saturday. Tim Brando, who used to be a decent TV play-by-play guy, for whatever reason, when he got demoted from CBS to Fox, he completely gave up on any sort of pregame prep. So now, not only is he regularly getting names and numbers wrong and barely paying attention to what's happening on the field, he is very, very clearly rooting against Texas in any Longhorns game that he does. It's bullshit. His bosses at Fox need to recognize that and not put him on Longhorn games. I'm sorry. It's ludicrous. Yeah. I get it that he's a big 12 guy. And so inevitably he's going to be on the occasional Longhorns game. If nothing else, you need to tell, tell him to chill out. God, I got to find because that. Because I'm still going to watch the games, but I am most certainly going to be muting the game. I don't want to hear that ass clown comment on anything. Let me see if I can. Yeah, here we go. 
this uh, this video of Tim Brando and Spencer Tillman. I think it's at a Wisconsin game at Camp Randall where they always do jump arounds after the third quarter. And, and here's, oh, shoot, wrong button. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Did you see that? Did that show up? Play it one more time. Tim Brando yeah. and Spencer Tillman dancing to jump around in the broadcast booth. Oh, uh, Timmy? I don't know who's more in the wrong here. It looks like Tillman's doing a little twerk on Brando here. Back that up. Yeah, a little juvenile, and Brando's uh, all about it, man. Jake says it has been confirmed. Fortunately, he will be at the game. Yes, fortunately for you, you will be. And I will just have the game on mute. It's that simple. Mm, that's uh, oh, That video is hilarious, man. God, what is going on in that booth? I, I don't know if they play that at Houston, but uh, I almost hope they do so we get to see a part two of Brando and Tillman dancing like that in the broadcast booth. What a mess. All right, we'll talk plenty more Texas and Houston throughout the week. We'll uh, let you hear from Sark, I'm sure, Chip and Zay in the afternoon show, Trey, you and KD with a little bit of BK in there too. We'll uh, we'll let you hear from Steve Sarkeesian, but we've got 10 minutes to go in the award-winning midday program, which means it's uh, time for a little Where Are We At in Society. And Trey, you want to go live read? You want to go recorded spot today? Let's go recorded. All right, a word from our friends at Best Wranglers. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? I'm making a silly commercial like other companies so people will remember our name. But we're not like other companies. Anyone can see that from our five-star reviews. But how will people remember Pest Wranglers? Well, once they try us, they'll never forget that we are the most effective, reliable, and affordable pest control company. I guess you're right. Pest Wranglers is the best at pest control, wildlife management, termite pest control. Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. What are you doing? Hey, it couldn't hurt. Pest Wranglers, 512-670-7808 or find us on the web at pestwranglers.com. Where are we at in society today? Thank you to Pest Wranglers for the support of Texas Sports Unfiltered and their sponsorship of Where Are We At in Society, your daily look at stories. I show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will give you a story that provides a sense of optimism. As us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. But sadly, today is not that day. And I begin... What may be the first of two stories, BK, by asking you what is maybe the most ridiculous or most honest reason that you've ever had to cut a date off with a member of the opposite sex or cut off communications with a member of the opposite sex that you are pursuing romantically? Hmm. Those are two different questions there. Are you saying mid-date or are you just saying calling off a relationship in general? Either. I don't think I've ever had to bail on a date mid-date. Okay. I don't think I ever have done that. Like, there have been dates that I've been on to where I'm clearly sitting there thinking, okay, this is going to be the only time we ever go out, or this is the last time that we go out. But it's never gotten bad enough to the point where either of us have had to leave early. Um, worst thing that I've ended a relationship for... I don't know. They talk too much. <laughs> Just annoying. I mean, that's a good reason. Yeah. Like, if they annoy you on date two, it's going to get really bad five years down the road. They smell bad. And, oh. Yeah. 
See, that's the problem with dating heifers. It's much harder to uh, to keep the uh, olfactory hygiene good. Yeah, that's probably my fault then for picking them the way I picked them. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Just I just get tired of them. Personality's not great. We're not vibing. We're not meshing. Or they smell bad. I think those are uh, you know, either they you know they smell bad or certain areas smell bad that I don't want to smell bad or. Hygiene's a big deal for me, man, and that's a, a deal breaker if it ain't where it's supposed to be. I've had to cut things off because the girl had a uh, lower back tattoo the size of a dinner plate, and I realized I could never be seen in public with her in a two-piece bathing suit. Oh, what was the tattoo? Was it a dinner plate? It was no. <laughs> no, no, that would be one of your heifers. It was uh, it was her family crest. It was like the Scottish family crest. Huh. And it was enormous and embarrassed. Like, I was embarrassed, and we were in the privacy of her bedroom while her dog was watching. But we were in the privacy of her bedroom, and she got up to go grab water after things happened. And I'm like, all right, well, this is done. I had to cut things off with another girl because there was a borderline stalking incident, even though I think it was uh, maybe a cultural difference between the two of us. And there's only one time that I had to end a date abruptly. And it's because the girl just got flat out rude and completely misread something where I was working for Whole Foods at the time, cutting cheese in the uh, Whole Foods cheese department. And we were at this cheese and wine bar. And I was just talking to this guy about his cheese knowledge because I have nobody else that I can talk to with about this other than people that I work with. And so we were just going back and forth on this. And afterwards, she's like, there was like a noticeable difference in her demeanor. And I'm like, the hell's your, I'm like, what's going on here? There's like a shift in your attitude a few minutes ago. She's like, I just felt like it was ridiculous and pathetic that you were trying to impress me with your cheese knowledge. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I wasn't trying to impress you. I was just happy to meet somebody else who has wasted that much brain space on the uh, the finer details of cheese. And so uh, I'm not going to get, get into detail of how the date ended, but needless to say, uh, I got what I needed to out of the date by the end of the night and uh, sent her on the way in the Uber. So I bring all this up. I'm not trying to impress you. I'm trying to impress the guy over there who works here. That's the dude I'm trying to take home. Well, I wasn't trying to take him home, but I was trying to share the information that I knew about cheese mm. with him who had required uh, a certain amount of cheese knowledge too no taking home necessary sometimes you're just exchanging ideas uh and the cultural stalking statement leaves a lot of questions that i have okay, ask questions Do we have time for it yeah we have time for what it what the hell are you talking about a stalking deal that might have included a difference in culture she was a professionally trained dancer from Taiwan who had come over to the States first to go to school, I think in Florida, and she was in Chicago to pursue dancing as a career, but she had, she kind of had the, the geisha thing going on to where there was like a certain subservience there after we had started dating. Well, again, still working at Whole Foods, cutting cheese in the cheese department. And uh, one morning, I'm just doing, going through my thing, cutting cheese, wrapping cheese, tagging the cheese, putting the cheese on the shelves. And I look above me because there's a, there was a second floor area at this Whole Foods in Chicago drink up. And there are seats where people can go sit and 
eat a meal or work or just hang out, do whatever you want to do at the second floor of this Whole Foods. Well, she was sitting in one of these tables that was essentially directly above the cheese department. And I could see her looking down on me like she was keeping an eye on me. And so, you know, it was probably more of a geisha sort of deal going on, but it also felt like stalking, like it was a violation on my personal space. So afterwards, I called her and I'm like, hey, that was over the line. You cannot come to my work without letting me know and basically just sit there and watch me for the entirety of my eight-hour shift. Mm. She was very apologetic and um, offered some things to help make it up. And I was like, yeah, no, at this point, I think we're probably just done. Mm. You've uh, you've come too close to the uh, to the stalker definition for me to be able to trust you going forward. Okay. I could ask like five more questions, but I want to hear what story you have. Go ahead. Ask five more questions. No, we need a story. What's the story? So a guy took to Reddit to tell people about a date that he recently went on to ask if I'm the asshole. That's the name of the forum on Reddit. Yes. I the asshole subreddit. And he asked people to weigh in as to whether or not he was wrong about how he reacted to something he learned at, on a date. The Reddit post was entitled, Am I the asshole for leaving someone at a restaurant because she lied to me about having a kid after three weeks of dating? Quote, I was dating the girl and everything was going great. Three weeks in, we're at a restaurant and she tells me out of nowhere she had a kid. I told her at the beginning of the date, I don't want kids. And she agreed. The original poster said. So then she tells me she has a kid and that the father walked out on them. Now she's raising her kid alone. She said, I see you as a good, I see you as a good man for my kid to help raise him. I need help. She said, you have a good career and it would be great. As her child does not get to go out much, he can finally enjoy the good life. OP concluded, I just walked out of the restaurant, not saying anything. I blocked her number in social media and just left. Am I the asshole? He just walked out? Yeah. And that was she lied to him. She told him she didn't have a kid. And then she says, not only do I have a kid, but you're a good guy with a great job. I want you to help raise this kid and give him a better life than he's going to get otherwise. So these were on separate dates where she told him that. The very first time they met, she said she didn't have a kid. And three weeks uh, later, they're out on a date. And she says, actually, I do have a kid. The kid's a bastard because the original dad walked out. He has a crappy life. You're a good guy with a good job. I want this kid to have a better life. So will you help me raise him? See, I misheard you. I I thought the original conversation was, do you want kids? And she said no. Because you can have... He said, right. he said he does not want kids initially. And she and also so, said that. And so I think at that point, he said he didn't want kids. And she basically said, I don't have kids. She's like, good, me neither. Well, she said she didn't want kids. Did she say she didn't have kids? I think she said she didn't have any kids. Uh, okay. Yeah. Either that or it's a lie of omission. Because yeah. when the guy says, I don't want kids, you need to be like, oh... This may not work out too well because I have a son who's a bastard. He doesn't have a dad. Yeah, it's like most women. Like, they think they can turn guys, you know? Like, oh, I'll just, I'll, I'll keep impressing him. He'll like me to the point where he's willing to change his stance on kids. Like, I can fix that. You know, do you constantly have women trying to, to get you to switch teams? To the kids' side? To Back to Team Hetero? I don't know. What are you talking about switching teams here? Back to Team Hetero. I've always been on Team Hetero. 
Okay. Yeah, so uh, if they're trying to switch me back to the team that I'm already on, then that's a waste of time on their part. But you know what I mean? Women try to fix guys. That's a thing. She was hoping yeah. that uh, this dude would just fall in love with her to the point where he's like, yeah, I'll help raise your kid because I love you that much. And it didn't happen. So so that's that's how you'd handle that situation. Well, then, no, right? he's the asshole. I mean, you can't you can't just leave and block her like he had to say something. I hope he's exaggerating with the way he actually departed the restaurant. Oh, you're saying that before he dumps her dumps her to the curb, he needs to be like, hey, you lied to me about this kid. I told you I don't want kids. And while this sob story is truly sad, I'm not the guy to help make this kid's Disney dreams come true. Yeah. And then you walk away and never talk to her again. Okay. I think that's what... That's an honorable way to dump somebody. You're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's her fault. Like, she's the original a-hole here in the am I the a-hole debate. But uh, if he actually did just, like, walk up and walk out of the restaurant and block the number and never say anything to her again, then that's a little a-hole-ish, isn't it? That's pretty rough, but it was also an a-hole move by her. Yeah. We either lie by omission or straight up lie and say she didn't have a kid when she did. Mm. God, what would I do in that situation? How are you and I on the opposite ends of this when I assume that you would be with me here and have no issues with the guy just, just straight up ghosting her on the dates? Yeah, I mean, if you said goodbye and ghosted her, that's fine. But you can't just walk up and leave. It's a bad bit. Mm. Isn't it? Yeah, two two wrongs don't make a right. You're correct about that. He needed to be upfront with her about why he was choosing to hit eject on the date. Now she should be arrested for lying like that. So I'm on your that, I'm on your side with that deal. If that's the side. What was the other question you had about the Taiwanese dancer? It's 102, so we're out of time. <laughs> I've got a lot of questions though. I have to ask you off the air. We're done for the day. Coming up next, it's Chip and Zay. And then from 3 to 5, it'll be Trey and KD, and I'll pop on for a little bit as well. So don't go anywhere. Texas Sports Unfiltered has you covered for the next four hours right here on YouTube and on the TSU app. Trey? I think the answer to your question is choking walrus angry dragon, BK. Yes, that is exactly. I can't believe you knew exactly what I was trying to ask there. All right, we're out of here. Coming up now, it's Chip and Zay. Fellas, y'all have a great show.